it sort of goes back to this imposter syndrome. Feminism and how it's failed women. There's something very intoxicating about judging. Harvey Weinstein has a son. <gasps> no one's ever like, what a good mom you are taking out your kids. Isaac takes the two kids out. Oh my God. Welcome back to Buckle Up, baby. Episode 65. Michael, take it away. Who do we have with us? Today we have Emily Young, um, a friend. Mm -hmm. and first and foremost. First and foremost. And a Jew. <laughs> and um, a, a friend and a Jew, a short story. <laughs> it's one of your next films, Michael. Um, and uh, a news reporter. Yes. For News 12. For Hudson News 12. Valley. So you're on like. You're like, from, from News 12, Hudson Valley, this is Emily Young. That's my dad's. Every time I send him my store, he's always like, in Scarsdale, Emily Young, News 12. In Dobbs Ferry, Emily Young, News 12. That's his favorite thing. But yeah. What's your big sign-off? Give me the big sign-off line for every story. So, And we're cutting live to Emily Young, who is here at the Buckle Up Studios in New Jersey. Emily, what do we have? Well, is it my tag in or my tag out? Totally Both. Let's things. try the whole thing. Okay. So the tag out is always simple pimple. You mm. either say where you are like or that. you just go like, or you just hit the sentence, you end it and you go, Emily Young, News 12. Or you can do the where you are. Now, interestingly, when you see like movies or whatever, they're always like, mm. we're live on the scene. Mm -hmm. And so when I first started doing that, I was like, all right, we are live here. And they would always be like, could you not say that we're live? Classic noob, do not, a noob mistake. Yeah. A noob mistake. Live. Yeah, this is going to play 12 times. So <laughs> we stop are pre-recording. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's so interesting. Yeah. Do, do they tell you, do they, do they teach you the cadence? Like I'm Emily Young, News 12, or is it just implied no. that you come so in with it? It's Fun. That's a, such an interesting question because there is a cadence, right? And for so long, you wanted to talk in a news anchory voice. And you can tell. A news anchor, when she's speaking, you know her voice. You know her intonations, the way that she's going to speak. Mm -hmm. Now, if you have some a trainer or a, a, a talent coach or something like that, they're going to say, stay away from that. Mm -hmm. We do not. We want such, like what we're doing now, conversational, mm -hmm. very, very, very right. just laid back. That's what really the goal is these days. Who's the best in the biz right now? When for what? For um, there's best anchor, best live shots, best stories, best. I mean, my favorite reporter, Steve Hartman, CBS This Mornings. Typically, he does Sunday mornings. It's on the road with Steve Hartman. Every week, he goes somewhere else and tells a, a tiny story that, on its own, is not a great story. Uh -huh. But at the end of the day, at the end of the two minute segment. Yeah. You're hysterical. This man has never not made me cry. He, the most recent story I saw so was a story. So hot right now, Steve Hartman. <laughs> <laughs> so honestly, like if he hears the Steve Hartman, I love you. And like, he's on CBS. Like what? What's the station? CBS, CBS. National. Uh huh. And uh, so CBS this morning, the, the Sunday morning show. Right. And uh, like his his most recent story that I saw, and I don't know when this was actually filmed, but it mm -hmm. came up on my TikTok very recently, right. and it was. The story about how the Harvard um, cafeteria crew, mm -hmm. they were used to being sort of ignored or, you know, they fall to the wayside. No, we fall to the wayside. You know, they're sort of in, in the backdrop. Tears. They're, they don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're there. Yeah. yeah. If you they're, went, of all the wonderful acclaims that Harvard has, right. it's not their cafeteria staff that is pulling people in, right? Seven. And it was this one day, this, they noticed that the students started saying, you know, appeared and said, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you. He did this consistently, consistently. Mm -hmm. And it turned out that he was, uh, I, I think a cafeteria, worked in a cafeteria at some point in his life and he understood 
how something so little could have such a big effect. And the way that Steve draws out this humility and this emotion, and I'll never forget this one thing that one of the cafeteria staff said. He said, you never know how invisible you are until you're seen. And they were seen and it made me them realize and they were appreciated and they were thanked and it made them realize how like a ghost they've been. And mm-hmm. and to be able to take a simple story about a man saying hello in the cafeteria and making it a national news segment that makes every viewer cry. I mean, you have to have a talent to be able to do that. And I think he could take any story mm-hmm. and make it a human interest piece. And I think that is an amazing quality for a wow. reporter. I wonder if behind the scenes it was just like someone said hi and she would hey and just <laughs> right. he was like I see something here. <laughs> I know you're like I'm sloppy. <laughs> <laughs> so say it again, but this time you cry. So remind, <laughs> let's run it, let's run it again, please. Yeah. I need it to mean more to you. <laughs> and remember, it's like, I'm fine. Hey Hartman, I'm doing fine. <laughs> remember, you're nobody. No one's ever cared about you. No one's ever seen you. And These kids don't. This think is gonna about be you. national. <laughs> <laughs> Bertha, it's gonna be national. Give me the yeah. waterworks, please. Hey, I'm Steve fucking Hartman. All right, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna do this my way. Um, yeah, Michael likes to think everyone's secretly a monster. <laughs> <laughs> that's very cool um so he's one of the he's like you're looking at him like wow if i could like and he puts together almost full his stories he puts together these whole like segments for the news right well it's a story so right. the story is its own segment so it's right as opposed like, to, i think i'm minutes. thinking there's like correct me if i'm wrong on how it's yeah. divided up yeah. into the different categories of news there's people sort of on site and there's people who put together full-length stories that have edited together pieces and that that get featured within a new segment like uh like you just described you're really right. very close. Yeah. It's, you'll have um, t- really two types of stories. Right. The type of story where you'll throw to a reporter mm-hmm. who is going to be either in the field or just going to be their voice, mm-hmm. but they're the ones that put that story together. And mm-hmm. then there are the stories that'll have a soundbite with mm-hmm. them. And they're also stories, but they're going to be read by the anchor. Mm-hmm. So those are the two. And then you have the the news, uh, sorry, the meteorologist, and then right. maybe you have the sports guy. Right. And so those are the four different things that are going to be. Let me backpedal about. the question a little bit. Yeah. So. Yeah. Do you think, first of all, for two questions, the the change in tone and intonation of how the news is delivered with that classic news speak, Channel 5 News, back to you. Do you think that's changed because of because commentators have become so popular and they're speaking more the way we speak now, panels, podcasts? Is that influencing modern news today? And that's what people are like, please don't do that classic fake voice. We want authentic. We want real. So I would say that ever since I've been doing this in America, because I also was a reporter in Israel. Mm. So when I came back and I was doing this in 2017, I would say this was not like TikTok wasn't around in mm-hmm. 2000. And I remember meeting with talent coaches and yeah, that. Try to move it a little yeah. closer. You're good. Yeah. Uh, and 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 they at this time they were saying, you know, we want you more conversational, less news anchory mm-hmm. voice. Um, but now I think you're a hundred percent right where any single person can make their own TikTok video telling, you know, I mean, we saw that, let's say with the submersible, the ocean gate, how many people became investigative reporters on TikTok there? Sure. So, so yeah, in a way you're not really competing with other markets. You're competing with people doing their own social media mm-hmm. and what do they want to listen to? Do they want to listen to that classic sing songy anchor voice? Do they want to listen to something that sounds more like a friend, mm-hmm. more conversational? I think those are the influences. And it's interesting because you, we've seen the effect. We talk a lot about the various industries that have been affected by social media and the new state of media. Oh, we, I've yeah. talked about how it's affected music, how it's affected comedy and all the content creation around that. So how has it affected journalism? Um, 
if you would ask any expert, I mean, people will say, oh, journalism is a dying business. Don't mm -hmm. become a TV journalist. They're not going to exist in a couple of years. And yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many times people tell me that mm -hmm. every day. And I'm like, OK, well, I'm still going to do that. I think right. so. Um, but yeah, like I said, you are not it's not only your competitors, Channel 7, Channel 11, CBS, NBC. These are not your only competitors. It's right. the average person can take their phone with them to the scene and report the same information that I can. And are you inspired when you see modern day journalist content creators who are, you know, the crystal and cigars, the break, like the YouTube shows, the, uh, the, the, what's, what's his name of uh, Philip DeFranco, I think who does a lot know. of like content coverage of topics and things like that. Is that something that you think about for yourself on your journey of making an impact in that space? I definitely do. When I think uh -huh. about like advancing my own social media and I think about what sort of things I would want as my brand mm -hmm. i do i see like I, I would love to just i see people that do like oh here are the top five things that happened this week and i'm like well i could totally do that mm -hmm. um but i am a self sabotage or sabotage or mm -hmm. yeah so i always sort of like flummox and and get in the way of myself doing anything that would like advance me in my social, social well, you media. You use the word flummox, which means you're totally cut out for this. You got a big vocabulary. You know what you're talking about. <laughs> and man, I was like, that's impressive. Hey, I, I have I a word of the day app. Okay. Well, that's well, when I is. use a big word, Michael goes, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm just so fascinated by the effect that this state of media in general is having on all the different subsets of media no, it's and how such it's expressed. A good point. Yeah. It's such a good point. You know. And it, it really is. Yeah. Because everyone's chasing field. attention when it comes down to it. Attention, whether it's attention on a, a song, attention on a piece of comedy uh, a fun story in the news the news is all trying to copy what is getting attention yeah. right now tiktok and instagram and youtube these spaces are where the attention is so everyone's trying to figure out their version of it yeah you know um well back up a second though walk us through a little bit how you went from high school to mm -hmm. i'm a news anchor now okay mm -hmm. well you're not you're not an anchor what are you a reporter a reporter my husband wants me to be an anchor one day um okay so we'll go start from the beginning Mm -hmm. Um, so my dad is a lawyer and my mom is, uh, sort of like the root of where my whole non-traditional, uh, journey came from. My mom did, um, she was vice president of daytime publicity for CBS. So family, like folklore, my grandfather always used to say that all my mom wanted to do, she wanted a job where she could watch TV and sit on the phone all day. And so that's what she got when she mm -hmm. got her job. At, um, so she worked at CBS and my dad was an attorney and he worked very, very hard. And he spent my whole life saying, don't go to law school. Don't become an attorney. Never become a lawyer. Don't become a lawyer. Don't become a lawyer. Mm -hmm. Of course, I graduate college. And he's like, so how about law school? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, really? Are you joking? But I actually spent like $500 and all like the LSA, LSAT books mm -hmm. and everything. And I just had myself a good think. And I was like, this is... This is not where my life is headed. Um, and then my mother, so my mom worked at CBS. And so I, I can't remember which came first of these two uh, stories I'm going to tell you. But basically one of them is so my mom, daytime publicity. So she would have to watch CBS all day. And then after CBS, the soap operas, the news would come on. And then there would be entertainment tonight. And this was like the routine at my house every day, every day. The, the news was on. And then, and, and so I was watching the news every day at like such a young age. And I remember sitting there being like, how do they do that? How is the reporter going and getting the visuals? How are the visuals airing after? Who, like, how did they get them into the studio? How are they writing all their stuff? Just like the actual technicality of how is mm -hmm. this all going on? 
I always just, I couldn't figure out how they put it together. And I just always really wanted to know. I just wanted to know how. And then um, my mom had so many coworkers at CBS and friends. And so she would end up hanging out in the CBS newsroom. And she became really good friends with this one news anchor named Sean Gables. And my mom used to take me and my sister to go sit in the studio with Sean. And I watched her do her thing. And I was like, okay, that's it. That's what I'm going to do. Was a man? Yes. <laughs> Sean, Sean, we are monsters. Sean <laughs> is a... <laughs> but that's fair, actually. Mm-hmm. It's fair. She is now a, a news anchor in Atlanta. <laughs> She's amazing. Yeah. But she is... I was like, oh, okay, that's actually... That's what I'm going to do now. Mm-hmm. And I have never wavered. I was like seven years old. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is what I'm going to do. And if you look at my uh, yearbook, I mean, I have a lot of things in there. I have like interior decorator, mm-hmm. this, that. But reporter was on there. Mm-hmm. And... um so I just something very romantic about that. That's like a real good origin yeah. story to be yeah. drawn to it. It's such a like if you were doing a superstar biopic reporter on a superstar <laughs> reporter, it would be this. It'd be like, you know, you hear it with music. I would hear <laughs> piano in the other room. And I'd watch Ray you Charles. Your eyes widen. But you don't hear it with journalists. You don't. You don't hear this story. This True. version with the journalist, uh, you know, track is interesting. You see it like watching a comedian on the Tonight Show. How do they do that? How does he make those? Jerry Seinfeld would talk about that. How, how do they put these words together? How do they have this power with my, how do they talk like that? I just wanted to know. Um, <laughs> I think that's what you're right though. I think yeah. this like intense curiosity is yeah. the beginning for everything. Yeah. It's a good yeah. indication in a mm-hmm. kid of like what they're interested in, how something's done, not yeah. just the end product of right, it. Right, because I wasn't like concerned about how planes are flying. Right. You know, mm-hmm. that right, was right. not like, oh, how are they doing that? You know, right, I was like, right. well, how's that newscast getting put on? So on that note, something that I've been thinking about lately is like, I've also had the dream of being a writer since I was a young kid. Do you ever feel like now you're in your 30s and like, you're, do you ever feel like you're still chasing a dream maybe that was meant for a seven-year-old? Does that has that yes. ever, does that ever occur to you? And you're, and you're like, what, does this work for Emily Young now? So buzzkill. I was really inspired, ready to do the next <laughs> chapter, but cut it off right there. No, it's it it's interesting though because yeah, part of it could be sad, like oh, those aren't my dreams anymore. But part of it, I think, is just an evolution of a person and what's important to you. Mm-hmm. So when I mean, if you asked me when I was younger, up until you know when I moved back here, I was like, I would think, well, I want to be on the Today Show. It's network, mm-hmm. national news, mm-hmm. where the whole country's seeing me. That's and I'm you know and, and seeing my stories rather. That's what I want, and now it's very much evolved. That's not really mm-hmm. the be all. You know, I don't need to be Hoda copy. Right. I mean, it would still be great. Don't get me wrong, but that's not the dream anymore. The dream is maybe a little bit. Um, you know, at the same time, even though that was my dream, if you were to tell me, at, you know, don't worry, you're, you're, you are going to be a reporter at mm-hmm. News Twelve, and not, you know, I, I think that I would be proud of myself. Mm-hmm. I think I'd be really happy to know that it, I made it happen. Um. I uh, that isn't my dream anymore. Although I will say I do still have a dream to be like a Dateline reporter. Mm-hmm. So that is still national. But I guess it's maybe my it's it's changed. Catch a predator style kind of. Yeah. Like I no. <laughs> I was I, getting but cool. No, like um, I want to. If I couldn't have been a now, I think I should have been a homicide detective. I'm that's really young. What Do I you know why you're here? Yeah. What were you thinking that first stab in? You know, that's really. I want to be murderers. Let, I want to. I don't know if this is the right way to say it. The pin what you're saying right here, because take us to the point where you arrived at this place where you came to terms with the reality of what it's like to be a journalist versus the dream of wanting to become one. You're 
you're at, you're this child and it's nothing but potential. It's the lofty kind of thing. And then how did you take your first steps into it? And what was that process like of working your way through the channels of, you know, actually saying, okay, I really want to do this. I know I really want to do this. There's a blessing to that clarity, you know, it's crystallized. So you're tunnel vision journalism. Okay. So how do you get there? Yeah. Yeah. How do you get there? And then back to how, where you're at now, I want to get back to this. Point, okay. So. But it's a good question because mm. this field specifically is so unique in the journey and the path that most people take. Mm -hmm. And it requires a lot of, um, courage mm -hmm. because how it's going to go is you are going to study probably journalism mm -hmm. tv journalism whatever it is hopefully you come out of school with something called a reel which is just like a montage of you do standing by stories. rivers and creeks and children. yeah exactly exactly <laughs> mm -hmm. corpses this is whatever. Polluted. <laughs> the pollution cleanup begins monday we'll see if they can accomplish their goal you see you could do it <laughs> but um so and then what happens is you send this reel to every <laughs> to every news outlet in every market in mm -hmm. all states, every right. single state. And then wherever you get accepted is where you go for your first job and your first market. And your first market is going to be in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. um, for me, it was a little bit different because I had come from Israel to New York. So that was different. I wasn't. When, so what is that? You went to college in Israel? No. So I went to college here. And then I went to grad school in Israel. Okay. And then I actually, and then I went into the army. Okay. But sorry, you went to grad school thinking that would help you become a reporter? Yes. Okay. I went to grad school. Where in? Uh, at the IDC yeah, in yeah. Herzliya. It's now called Reichman University. It's, oh, it's like they have film, they have media studies. They all that did. Kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, they did not have a, a master's in journalism, but. Um, okay. So there is a reporter whose name I'm blanking out now, and it's so embarrassing because he actually like formed my whole life, but whatever. Mm. But uh, I'm blanking out on his name, and I was either going to go and pursue a master's in journalism, or I really wanted to be... I wanted to be on the Today Show. I also really wanted to be a Middle Eastern correspondent. Mm -hmm. Sorry. I'm like, I'm changing no, no. My, my goal, but no. it changed yeah, I, from... Uh, yeah, this is okay. informing a lot. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. So I went at some point from the Today Show to wanting to be the Middle Eastern correspondent. Mm -hmm. And so I figured, well, I could go to journalism school and I could learn how to ask the questions. Or mm -hmm. I could go study diplomacy and international relations to understand the conflict in a way to really ask interesting questions, mm -hmm. right? To really understand. So I emailed this reporter. And you're so Israeli passing. Right, <laughs> it's actually annoying because people like in the beginning it would come up to me and just start speaking, and I'd be like, "Isn't Israeli Jordan okay. just a bunch of people going?" So I can't believe I'm blinking out on this man's name. It's gonna, it's gonna haunt me. Anyways, I emailed him and I was like, "He's an amazing journalist. He was like one of the first people to ever go through the Suez Canal." Like, really, Middle East correspondent? No, American. American. Okay. Or Canadian. Uh -huh. And um, I emailed him and I was like, hey, which master's program should I go to? I, like, either he responds, he doesn't. What does he Appealing think? Appealing to his expertise. Is a good, yeah. It's a good and he said, no, definitely do the Middle East. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I think he actually was living, I think he spent several years living in Israel mm -hmm. at some point too. So, yeah. Okay. So that's when I was like, all right, this is definitely, I am going to pursue uh, a degree in international relations and diplomacy and conflict so that I can really understand conflicts mm -hmm. to better tell these stories. Yeah. So that's where I went. And that obviously set off a whole different journey. And then I went into the the army for a year. And then I sort of hemmed and hawed in a lot of different places until I found myself at a I-24, which is an international news station in uh, on the Namal in the port in Tel Aviv. Mm. And I was there for like two years. And then I came back here. 
And so, and now I'm pretty much at the same starting point as anyone who's graduated college. I you have reporting a reporting Hebrew or in English. When English, you were there. Oh, okay. English, international. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I have a reel, mm-hmm. and I just got to start sending it out to every market in the country. Mm-hmm. And I actually got had an agent at the time, and I was like, please, I don't care about. I will go anywhere. I just don't want to go someplace cold. Like that's <laughs> it. I, I will go Kentucky, another state. Mm-hmm. I can't. Whatever. I just don't want And he's like, great, fuck you. And he sent me to Fargo. And that's where I was. Wow. Fargo, North Dakota. Okay. Third, well, yeah. don't you know? Yeah. That's cool. Oh, yeah. Well, that's actually the Minnesota accent. Minnesota. And I, was, yeah. I also did like a brief stint. Where's Fargo? Fargo. North Dakota. North Dakota. It is. It's a little different. It literally is the coldest place in the country. It is. It was negative 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit. Uh-huh. Um, very, very... Um, like no, no. I mean diversity. It's very boring and lame. You're saying it's like no. Okay. Yes. Yeah. No, that's okay. No, it 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 was uh, homogenous and like one. Thing. But but just so cold mm-hmm. and um, so plain, so flat. Mm-hmm. Very flat. Not a lot of high buildings. I think it would be culture shock for anyone coming from New York to go to North Dakota, but mm-hmm. especially from Tel Aviv to North Dakota. Um, I was not thriving. Mm-hmm. It was really hard. But this is the standard course for anyone that wants to be a reporter. You're grinding your teeth on like yeah. this is what you have to put yeah. yourself through. And you're at the desks here, or you're in the field, in the field. doing news reporting. Okay. I was actually I was a weekend news anchor and the and a reporter. Cool. So I would report three days, and then I was a news. Good opportunity. Great opportunity. Yeah. Thirty-eight thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I thought was a crazy amount of money. I was like, "Oh my god!" Is your agent just trying to humble you? Is this the was this intentional? He was, or this is just what you have to do? This my is the bottom of the barrel. Agent, is he a bad agent. <laughs> my agent had absolutely no interest in my career. He his primary interests were he was getting a lot of tattoos in Hebrew uh-huh. and he really wanted me to translate them for him. So I did a lot of transliteration for his tattoos. So um, your whole apparatus feels like it's at a certain yeah. stage right yeah. now. You've got an right. agent who wants you to read his tattoos. Correct. You're in North Dakota. You're freezing, freezing. your ass off. Yeah. Um, did you know at the time that this wasn't a great situation or were you oh, like yeah. happy to have it? Um, I did a very, very, very brief stint somewhere else mm-hmm. and I had not made any friends there mm-hmm. like no one liked me no one was even interesting in getting to know me nothing nothing so when i went to fargo and i was surrounded by some really great people that was nice mm-hmm. you know for the first time especially because like very similar to you i had no family anywhere near me and mm-hmm. i had no friends mm-hmm. i was really just there for a job right. and i was by myself i didn't have you know a wife no kids. jews yeah. no jews mm-hmm. no jews and um so it was really hard. So then when I went to Fargo and I actually did have a few friends, that was really life-changing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still, you know, I knew that this wasn't the norm to be so unhappy mm-hmm. where you were. Mm-hmm. And what's the general culture within journalism, especially those early stages? Toxic. I would imagine it's, yeah. So uh, Like not collaborative. Journalism, pe- no. Journalism is one of the most toxic environments you could be in. Um, I remember I was at this and the... The fi- the news director wanted the five o'clock anchor to mm. sort of take me under her wing, and this woman was so mean to me, like I was trying to steal her job. Mm. Like my goal in life is to be the five o'clock anchor mm. in Fargo, North Dakota. I'm after your job. You don't stand a chance yeah, there, like, kid. Yeah, yeah. This literally, is my spot. Yeah. Okay. That, 
that's what it was with her blonde hair. And I'm like, are okay, you okay? Listen, Jew. I'm like, <laughs> seriously though. Oh I was God. like, you are fine. Like I'm never, I'll never forget this. Like, so sh- sometimes she would do the five o'clock show and I would anchor the five thirty show. And the way that all the scripts and everything would go in are in a rundown on an org, uh, a computer program. Mm. And I would ask them for access to the rundown so I could rewrite things just in my voice. I'm not mm-hmm. changing the content. I just want to change the wording. Mm-hmm. And she wouldn't even let me do it for mm-hmm. the show that I was anchoring. Mm-hmm. And I was, and I just, it was really hard. So people are, it's very cutthroat. People are after you. People are trying to fuck with you. Mm-hmm. She changed your clothesline. Your Go fuck yourself, Fargo. Mm-hmm. Hey, in the prompter. I what mean, did she say? Honestly, if I would have been there longer, who knows? Yeah. But, um, and then you go from, you go from one toxic newsroom yeah. to another toxic newsroom to another toxic newsroom. It's really hard. Because there's competitive industries and then there's like toxic competitive industries. And in my experience, like, yeah, it seems like journalism would have a lot so of that. In small. comedy versus music, I compare it a lot because I'm kind of in both worlds. But you, the more sort of like insecurity and instability there is, there's this sort of distrust that, that it, I and, sense happens a lot in journalism. And if you just think about it, the amount of jobs mm-hmm. available. Yeah. To do TV news, right? Because yeah. there's X amount of uh, and states yeah. and then towns. And then there's X amount of news agencies. And so there's, there's only so many jobs. There's such a hierarchy, such an established hierarchy. Yeah, and, and there's so many people that are like, oh, I'm going to be a TV. You know, that's yeah. what they want. But there's just not enough jobs for people. Can you outline in, in what the actual hierarchy is of, of news? So you're saying you have your car. Like you, the people you want to get, like the sort of top of it is what? To be sitting as the anchor and then field reporters in between are, you know, like what? Just I that can't basic give a hierarchy because I feel like so many people have different goals. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people's goals are just to report and mm-hmm. never to anchor. And a lot of people only want to anchor. They never want to report. It's more performative. Um, it's more like they're that's very a different, different, different. They're sort set. of different jobs. Right. Yeah. Um, and a very different skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do think, though, if you want to do a hierarchy, I, I do think technically the news anchors are a little bit higher up. Mm-hmm. Um, but either of those are great positions to be in. Um, if you're doing hierarchy in terms of like who's in charge, I guess I mean perceived hierarchy in terms of like what draws people to journalism. When you're like there, you're like everybody here wants to be. Is there is there a position that everybody's sort of maybe temping at but wants to get to? Is that, um, is that I would say that thing? most people. What do they covet the most? Like? They covet an on air position, uh-huh. and that could be one or the other, right? Reporting or journalism. But right. most people, they're starting out. They want to work their way up to be on air. Yeah. yeah, or they want to be a producer, or they want to be a director. Right. You know, but but I think the majority of the people they really want to be on air. Mm-hmm. Did you, Did you watch um, that show on Apple TV? The morning show. The morning show. Yeah. Uh, no, I didn't. Because I, I, when I watched that, I was also like, like what, are, what are these people dreaming of? Like, what's the dream day in like TV news reporting? Like, not to be like dark, but is like nine eleven the dream? Like, you get to cover nine eleven or Clip like, that. <laughs> or like, you know, like, 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 what's the like? Oh, if I could only do that, well, I would feel. What's fulfilled. the big win, right? Oh, yeah. he had nine eleven that yeah. day. But you get to cover it. So right. that's the other thing is that it's again so subjective, like. I have a coworker, Jonathan, and he loves anything political, right? That's if there's breaking news or early elections or that's his bread and butter. Mm-hmm. Then I had then there are people who um, love human interest stories, mm-hmm. right? Like that the Steve Hartman sort of stories. Then there are people that love pop culture or celebrity gossip. Mm-hmm. And then there's me. Genres. There's people who I like love. Genres. I'm not kidding. Murder. 
Like mm-hmm. I love like breaking news is where I want to be. Mm-hmm. I want to be at the scene where every where the cops are all driving with their alarms mm-hmm. and there's uh, that is where I want to go where everyone else is mm-hmm. going the scene of a crime. I mean and it's funny because I was actually in therapy the other a couple weeks ago and I was like telling her how when I was little I always just was trying to convince my mom to like, follow a police car with the signs and sirens going because I just want to see where you're going mm-hmm. what's going on I want to be a part of it mm-hmm. and she the was like, yeah and she was like yeah not everyone. I th- I assumed that this was just like everyone felt this way mm-hmm. that when there was a police with the sirens going by everyone wanted to go and see right. what was going on right. and it was like really only like a couple weeks ago that I realized that's not in everyone that you not always stop feels- in traffic when you're like you got to see the accident I, you're like no <laughs> that's the, actually that's the, such a pet peeve of mine like uh-huh. let's keep it moving please okay but um then when it's your <laughs> turn to pass you gotta- <laughs> you're gonna take a quick look oh look I'm at gonna that. look I'm gonna look but I'm gonna keep going yes. I'm gonna not even break you know right. I'm gonna touch the brake okay keep well, it well that's moving. strange because I would think you'd be the one to stop it well I to be honest I'm probably on the side reporting about this yeah that's true I, I do and if you don't mind we're probably gonna clip you saying I love murder <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, that's that's very fair. Yeah. Uh, frame it, you know, frame it differently. But yeah. I, the breaking news—that's um, where you want to be. That's that's it, like I, I would love to be that person doing that. And, and you're showing up. What decisions are you making? Are they telling you what to say and what to cover, or, or are you getting there and they're like, "Emily's your job to shape this story for us and let us know what's important." Specifically in a breaking news situation, mm-hmm. it's very. It's very much, I'm going to get there and I'm going to tell you what I can do. Hmm. I'm going to tell you. I mean, if you want that, sound, you can. Yeah, I mean. You, I'm going to tell you who's here, what, mm. what sound I can get, what I can do to make the story the best. And mm. I need all the elements to do so. So yeah, I mean, ideally you're working in an environment, which I have to say news 12 really is very collaborative, very much like they respect my judgment. They mm. know that I can do it. I'm going to go there and I'm going to tell them what I can do for them for mm. the story. Or Yeah. Cool. Oh, so there's like a lot of agency there. There's a lot of creative decision making oh yeah and i mean cool. the story it's it's yes there's who what when where why get those five mm-hmm. and tell the story how you want it's your story it's going to be your words at the end of the day and of course there's a copy editor mm-hmm. so but is that the nature of the position or the fact that you've been in the game long enough that no that's they, the nature of the position okay so you're telling a story that, yeah because that's what they yeah want you have to, that's a talent you have uh-huh. to have or a skill uh-huh. rather i should say where you need to be able to synthesize the information into a one minute 30 second story for mm-hmm. everyone as to what's going on yeah. when they're cu- and when they cut back and forth to different things like B-roll going on while you're talking, is that something that happens in real time or you put a piece together that they then air? Uh, both. Right. And what happens sometimes it's just pre all put together mm-hmm. and sometimes it does air like that with B-roll and the way it works is that you have your script written out mm-hmm. and you have cues included in the script of when they're supposed to take that B-roll. And mm-hmm. in theory, you know exactly what that B-roll is because you sent it in. Right. But then there's also the, I mean, I'm not thinking of, you know, like uh, John Stossel, when he puts his, like those pieces together, you know, John Stossel's, uh, John Stossel's a guy in like Fox business and he's been in the journalism game a long time. But anyway, like the, the idea of like you, does the reporter then work with the producer and editor to put it all together and then present and then it gets approved? Like, is there a process of that? Like, let me see your story, go through phases. Ah, okay. Give me a revision of this we yeah, need to cut this down absolutely. to a minute and a half minute 30 100%. seconds so typically yeah. what will happen is i will write a first draft mm-hmm. i will send it to our copy editor ccr producer yeah um and our copy editor is the head of the entire news desk he's mm-hmm. amazing mm-hmm. um and so he will look it over send it back to me with his revisions and then i'll send it back with the revisions cc the producer um so it's very mm-hmm. collaborative everyone knows what i'm saying um sometimes the producer will want to change the anchor lead which mm-hmm. is what the anchor will read up to t- 
to introduce my package, right. my story. We call them packages mm-hmm. in the business. And um, so it is, there is a collaborative effort. And of course, um, depending on the story, if it's not breaking news, a lot of the times, like they have in their mind the angle that they want for this story. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, they're sending me to a food bank, a monthly food bank. This month they want to talk about how they want to highlight, you know, uh, how uh, in a post-COVID world, mm-hmm. the food market or the 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 way that they do, done have been doing this changes. You know, mm-hmm. there's a certain angle that they're going for, and so I will make sure that my questions are catered to that. Right. So you're in Fargo. <laughs> so in Fargo. <laughs> well, so back in those, uh, yeah. this is cool. I love the technical geeking out stuff about these. Are, they're they're so it's so similar yeah. to these other worlds. Yeah. But it's just like its own version. But of you it. don't a know package, until you know. A, a song demo, yeah. uh, a, a script or a treatment. Like it's yeah. so it's so similar we, in terms of We're process. curious because we grew we all grew up watching local news mm-hmm. probably during dinner. Yeah. yeah. I wonder how many people under thirty have even seen like a local news. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. The relevance of it. Today. Yeah, yeah. I haven't, I haven't watched local news. I watch you, and when I see your clips, but I don't. I mean, that's. I don't tune in. I mean, just like you said, yeah. the news was on at our dinners. Like, I mean, yeah. do you have the news on for dinner? Do you have the news on for dinner? <laughs> that's what yeah. I'm saying. The way yeah. that we 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 get our news right now is totally. Right. But if, Yolanda Vega. <laughs> if Fargo is here, and then you find you get out of that situation, which is not optimal, you're not thriving, but you kind of have to go through that sort of. Grinding your teeth on that yeah. unpleasantry, and then what are the what are the steps so, after that that gets you to a like a better place? At ideally, least in, the, in, the in your head, you have yeah. a goal, right? Yeah. Some people want to get back to their home market. Uh-huh. Some people want to come to New York because New York is the number one market. Uh-huh. This is the highest paid place to get. This is the best place to mm. work. Maurice Dubois, correct. Sam Champion, yeah, yeah, exactly. Dancing with the Stars could be the next opportunity. Who knows? <laughs> but um, but I mean, there's there are the big five. Adam I would Storm. say. Sorry. So I would I say there's <laughs> there's New York, LA, Chicago, um, Atlanta, and Miami maybe are like the top five. Or Philly and Boston are also huge number, uh, markets. These are all great markets. So either you want to work in one of these top markets or you want to go and um, go uh, to your home market or you want to go to network mm-hmm. like, you know, the Today Show, like we said. Or So these are – so ideally you go to your second market – and you do the same thing, but in theory, it should be a little bit better. You have a little more worked, years on you. Right. And, and then that's it until you, you keep applying, keep mm-hmm. applying, keep applying. With updated get, reels of more always, legitimate stuff. Everyone yep. knows what like a student reel looks like. And exactly. everyone knows what a first first go right. at it looks and like. And if all goes according to plan, you're going to look back on your first reel and, and cringe. you cringe yeah. so hard. Of course. I and, look back at mine yeah. and I just... We're going to air yeah. it at the start of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Ira Glass has a great, oh, yes. um, like little. There's this little viral YouTube thing mm-hmm. that's kind of around with his speech in it. People have animated it. It's been yeah, this whole I've thing. But yeah, he says he listens back to you know who Ira Glass is, right? The host of This American Life. Yeah, who, yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't know he was that. I only know him from these clips. But he said something oh, that, that was huge. So so he so he he's one of the most unique like radio slash podcast personalities mm-hmm. like ever. He's like he created his own sound and way of storytelling. He's right. like he's kind of like iconic. But but he's saying like he listens back to his first thing and he was like so bad at it mm. and he, and he talks he talks about how like you have this dream you know you can do this thing and then you try it for the first time and then you realize like how hard whoa yeah, yeah I'm not very good at this and he said that's where like ninety percent of the people just stop mm-hmm. well it's the ten percent who who keep going and then and they realize like oh I can actually improve at this thing well but do you we were talking earlier and we were talking about how being creative. 
mm. is so embarrassing <laughs> and it is so vulnerable. So it's like that. It's like you are vulnerable. You're going to yeah. see it. Do you cringe? Okay. So do you use that as a wall and you just sort of go in the other direction mm. or do you oh, try and overcome that? Yeah. Because be- you're creating and performing also. Yeah. It's like too. It's like you're basically like a music. You're in the same position as a musician or a writing yeah, is different. You're, yeah, yeah. You're going to have an on air presence. You're going right. to. Yeah. Your writing involves someone else performing, but you're creating. Right, you can hide behind that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. True. I, I, I would have thought it as news reporting as just performing, but I didn't realize how much creativity goes into it. Oh, it's, mm-hmm. it's, I would say it's more storytelling than anything right. else. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Yeah, there's another Ira Glass thing he talked about. I think it was geared at songwriters with music where it's, and he just, he has a way of uh, sort of phrasing it that like, sheds light on exactly what that feeling is of uncertainty like he can articulate it in such a way he said something to the effect of when you're creating anything and you're passionate about something you know what you like but it's very hard there's a period of time where you go through like you don't know if what you're creating is something you would like right if it wasn't you creating it so you're dealing with an objective sensibility and a subjective sensibility and they're embattled with each other for a very long time until you takes a very long time to get to a place where you can listen to something that you've made and like it as if you didn't make it. You know, you like it as if your own, the, the taste that you have for other people's music is applied to your own music and they match. That takes a long time to get to. Do you ever get there you know? though? Because I, I sort of feel like oh, no matter yeah. what, I'm always going to um, be judging my stuff. But I think you know that when you've put something together, you're like, no, this is good. You have authority now because you have the years. Yes, but and you might cringe time, at that in 10 years, but a, as you go along the road, you're always sort of, you reach so, an area where you can satisfy your sensibility to a point. Okay. So there's this term, there's uh, the saying in the I news think. business yeah. and it's called make slot, not art because in TV news specifically, you have crazy deadlines. Mm-hmm. Like I'll have a story that uh, I have an event at 12. And, um, so they'll be like, okay, this is at 12. This is going to be in the five o'clock show and in the eight o'clock show. Mm-hmm. So I know I have five hours until this is going to air. I'm going to have to put shit together and make it air. Mm-hmm. I completely just forgot where I was going. With this. I know what you're saying and I'll, I'll, I'll help you with it because you oh, said right. make slot, right. not art. Yeah. So sometimes it's, n- I know that I'll have all these good, a million ideas in my head, but I can't do it in the time to mm-hmm. make it the story I want it to be. All I can do is have it air, and that's the most important thing. Because if you're a reporter, you're constantly missing slot. Right. There's the worst thing that you could do. In well, the deadlines help against the battle in perfectionism. That's what the best part about deadlines are. It is. Yeah. And and but so there's so many times where I'll read a story, I'll listen to one of my stories two days later, and I'm like, if I just could have had three hours to take a break and come back to it, this story, I would have done this, this, and this. Because mm-hmm. now with the advance of time, I could come back and be like, okay, I would have done this, this, and this, and would have been ten times better. And it sucks because I will never have that time because mm-hmm. the deadlines are always abounding. They're always right behind you. Yeah. Well, doing art as a service, I think, is really helpful in getting you to that place. You said that you ever get to that place. If you spend a lot of time in the craft of doing artistic or creative endeavors as a service for something else. You end up removing yourself from the equation and it makes it a lot easier to put something together to the best of your ability in that moment, in that time constraint and say, okay, next and move on to the next thing right. as opposed to being tied up. You can't be a perfectionist. And you can't. And, and what that ends up doing is getting you to a place where you can judge things a little more objectively, even if you're the one creating them. Because you're like, this will make slot. This will 
hit its marks. This will this will do what it's needed what it needs to do. Right. Um, whether it's making a song for commercial, this does what it needs to do. Whether it it's you know you get a brief for an assignment That's for a specific exactly thing. Right. We need it to hit these points. We need it to be this kind of pace. We need it to be a minute and a half long. And when you build up that sensibility and remove yourself from it, your ego from it, you get very good at evaluating things, whether you've created or someone else has created. And I think that's how you build up a certain sense of keeping your ego and perfectionism in check. And you get to a point where you could judge your, your own work more objectively. I think you're 100% right. You know? And so that's Ira Glass's influence on when he said that yeah, to me, I, I was like, that's what yeah. it is. That's what's happening. It's like, do I suck? It's like you, you have taste and you have ability and those are not matched for many right. years. Yeah, taste that, and that, ability. that's what I was trying to say, right? I think that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. I think he said, right, like you... You have like, good taste. Like you know you have something to say, but it's not in there at right. first. Yeah. And um, right, you have to work towards towards getting that out. And Jordan Peterson also said something about like, in order to start at some... No. <laughs> if you have to start at something, you know, in order to get good at something, you have to start by not being very good at all. Like that was his whole thing. And it's very it's painful so true, though. to do yeah. that. And that's why it's embarrassing. And all of a sudden you get this judgment from everybody else. Like, oh, oh, oh. But you have and to until, start until they're saying, hey, you're on channel, channel 12 news. That's cool. And then everybody's perspective perception changes of you. The second you become validated, so especially in our community. Also, I think like pe people are like, why are you doing something publicly? That's not really great. It, yeah. There's like I, I'm sure everyone experiences that, but I think especially in our community, um, it's like doubly Dude, embarrassing. There's such right. a hyper judgmentalness like, oh, like to it. I yeah, think yeah. Oh, you're putting yourself out. like, why are you doing that? Right, mm -hmm. like it's not perfect yet. You think it's projection? Yeah. Um, I think like people like want they would want, wish they had the balls to do it, but it's hard for them to do that, so they'll, they'll judge. I think or maybe that's what we tell ourselves. I think that <laughs> there's something very intoxicating about judging yeah. and it provides you a it's moment fun. to feel better than power. someone else yet yeah, power you're i think right. you're right though there is a little like subterfuge for being really sort of in awe or wishing you could do yeah. something like that <laughs> um there's so many reasons to judge they're all fabulous <laughs> yeah, of course. I love but, it. but i mean i agree i think 100 percent. there's so much more judgment coming from this community and like like i felt when i was at like you know n novice or i worked at you know a, a news channel new jersey news network mm. no one knew what this was it was mm. like some bullshit channel right and i was <laughs> posting my shit and in retrospect I'm like, yeah and yeah. i'm like this is awful like what are we like this is like not even a we legit newscast they don't exist anymore. Nice. <laughs> and you do. What? <laughs> but I would. And Did you hear I that Emily's in Fargo or something? It's so random. It's so cold. There's no Jews. She's in Fargo. But I wonder. Is that a movie? But I yeah. wonder though if they saw my shit coming out of New Jersey News Network and they saw all my hard work and they're like, how embarrassing. And now that I have the News 12 name behind yeah. me, is am I now? Like, oh, you're on News 12. Did you hear? Yeah, I know yeah, her. She's yeah, on News 12. Yeah. She's yeah. a friend of mine. That's on Channel 12, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens. Um, yeah. Well, people say with the podcast also, they're like, they're like, so what's the podcast? What is it? And I'm like, I don't know, like, we don't know yet exactly. We're trying to figure it out. I'm like, oh, and they're like, so why would you do it mm -hmm. if you don't know what it is? You're like, you're like, you have to start. And exactly. now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here we are 65 <laughs> episodes later, we, we, and do we, we have, know what it is? We have a better idea, I think, than the beginning. <laughs> well, Brian, which is nothing. We, we interviewed Brian Koppelman a few yeah. weeks ago. He said something about imposter syndrome, which I thought was really nice. Because um, okay. that, that's sort of the theme is always like, how do you deal with him? I didn't really know what imposter syndrome was. I definitely would have it throughout things that I tried, but I didn't know it was a, a universal thing. You know, the second somebody labeled it, I'm like, that's what that is. You know, when somebody like yeah. says something and you've been feeling it all these years and you're like, 
I didn't realize that that was like a, a thing that is like, you know, uh, labeled and uh, that's that everybody experiences. But he just said the, the way to combat it is doing the thing that you feel uncomfortable doing. The idea is pretty simple. It's like you're a chef if you're a chef. Like, don't say, am I a chef yet? Am I a comedian? Am I a musician? Am I a journalist? If you're going to the field and reporting and starting to do it, then you, then you are doing it. If you're writing every day, you're a writer. If you're composing every day, you're a composer. If you're reporting every day and putting in the work to that, you are a reporter. By definition, the second you start taking action and not just dwelling, I think imposter syndrome exists as something you think about and dwell on. The second you take action, you immediately defeat it because you're doing it. Uh, success and, and have, in an endeavor is a different question, but it was a really, I thought that was a really nice, like simple way of describing how to not think about because he does so many different things, Brian Koppelman, and he comes from like this world of he's a screenwriter now and a showrunner, but he also was in music production and he dabbled in all these different things. So I asked him about how he so fluidly like is adaptive to different creative endeavors. And he explained like, once you just start doing it, you just do it. You do it. There's also no point at which you like are doing it any more than a point before that. Like, you know, like, like at what point will you be a real reporter? At one point, will this be a real podcast? You know, like it just is when just you decide is. it is. Yeah. yeah. On the flip side, the professional validation is what you well, need. So, so he, right. He, if he you're follow- just thinking about it and even trying to do it, but no one's validating it. Eventually you do need something. You need that, a movie to be green. Follow that or, up with like anyone call themselves a comedian. Like you're really a comedian once you pass at the cellar. Right. Like that's when you're actually a comedian. Yeah. But like if you're doing it, you there are professional markers. There are milestones yeah. where, you know, like, okay. I've come this far, and so yeah. now I'm X. So the pin, you've come this far, and now you have this revelation that maybe this dream that I had isn't what I want to do. You see what I did there? I'm bringing it way back. But Full circle. To get Full back to this, moment. like you, you're moving up the ranks. Did you change your per- perspective and your sort of orientation on what you wanted to do because it was revealed to you over time as to no. what this really was? Or so- Yeah. I was never the woman that was like, oh, my God, like, I want to get married. I'm going to have kids mm-hmm. and I want to have three and a half kids and I'm going to name them. And I always was like, no, 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 no. Three and a half, did you say? Yeah. Oh. I was like, no, no, I'm going to be like hoda copy by the time I'm 26 and blah, blah, blah. And so I was always very career motivated and not very like I didn't think I was going to get married like till I was late, late in life. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just not a priority for me. And then I met my husband and I was like, okay, I'm going to get married. We're, we're going to do our thing. And then I still was more career motivated. And it wasn't until my son was born that my priorities just completely changed. And I realized like network will never be as important to me as like making Miles smile, right? Or like, and and if if like 15 year old me heard this, she would beat the shit out of me that I'm like sacrificing my, cur- you know. But now and, Miles beats the shit yeah, out exactly, of me. Yeah, exactly. Well, he's one, so yeah, he's a psychopath, <laughs> you know, it's, it's hard. But um, it's something about like, do I want to have a job where I travel to a different story around the country every mm-hmm. day and I never see my kids? Like I, literally cannot fathom that so it changed your orientation it, yeah do you think part of it also I, when I, we had our uh first kid also the sort of s- some of the whatever feeling i was looking for by achieving that dream i felt like i already kind of had it by having the kid a little bit i i felt less driven towards towards like that achievement 
Maybe. You think that's. Maybe subconsciously. Yeah. I did feel like I, there was some sort of achievement here. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. And, and, but this transition, the way that the effect that children have had on my life was mm-hmm. something that was so utterly antis- unanticipated. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't think I had a maternal bone in my body. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that I feel so strongly and enough that it's, it's changed sort of my focus. You went to loving from loving murder to creating life. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> that is so well said. <laughs> a 180. Now, having said that, yes, I still want to go work on day for mm-hmm. Dateline. Mm-hmm. Like, really, I do. To protect the kids. For, yeah, exactly. For their own safety. <laughs> yeah. Anything else. But I do think that that's maybe a more attainable goal. Mm-hmm. It could very well not be, but I do to, think it's more attainable than Hoda. To both of um to what? What was that? Hoda. Hoda copy. She's like always, she's like the gold star for me when it oh, comes cool. to like, you know, because everyone yeah. knows Hoda. Um, I don't know Hoda. Me neither. <laughs> really? That's why I asked. I'm like, Hoda, oh. okay. Hoda. Hoda. You know, <laughs> do you watch uh, Channel 4 ever? Do you know Savannah Guthrie? Yes. I know the name. I know oh, the name. And They're Jenna calling. Hager. Okay. She was a Bush, Jenna Bush. Oh. This is actually the worst part about this job is that people that are so entirely have no business being famous. Like journalists with amazing jobs, yeah. like oh, the Bush. nepotism. You mean? Oh my god, yeah, I'm sure yeah, that's yeah. in every industry, though. Right. Yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. Well, it depends on like what, what, how much you can get by on ability of like what you can do. So like, I don't know, but yes, nepotism is. In, I mean, is it everywhere. gets you in the door, right? For right? sure, yeah, for sure. Um, it depends on the talent threshold, like how much a talent and ability do you have to have. Because you can get in the door, but if you can't deliver on something, whatever that deliverable is, right? If you know you're trying to sing on stage in front of millions of people, who you know doesn't really matter. You have to be able to do it. No, I think you're but, right, but you know. It always helps, and there's always a certain amount of unfairness. There's nothing you can do about it. So, you know, at the same time, nepotism could play in somebody's opposite favor, where it's like, you know, people don't they like have to, they have, family. They have to prove themselves double because, like, they don't trust why you got in here. Well, know? that's what some so, of the nepo babies would say. Yeah, that it's much harder for them. Yeah, it's like I have to prove myself. I'm I'm Julie Louis Dreyfus' son. Everyone's no one's gonna think I'm. Oh, you, know. you poor thing. Yeah. <laughs> listen, listen. If they want to have their own sense of creative achievement, like I can see why there's a unique challenge. I'm not saying it's harder. It's different. There's somebody <laughs> right now in entertainment whose name everyone here knows. I forgot what it is, but he is um, Wein- Weinstein. What's his first name? Harvey. Harvey Weinstein has a son <gasps> who does not go by Weinstein, I don't but, but he's of Harvey Weinstein's son. And we all, we all, he's an actor. We all know him. Mm-hmm. I forgot what his name that's is. That's so but interesting. Someone ran into him party and they like were talking. And after a little while, he like he was like, "Yeah, that's my dad." <gasps> <laughs> and, oh, uh, that's rough. I mean, I have, I have, I have the reason I said right. Julie Louis like, Dreyfus was really, really good up until like yeah. three years ago, and then, <laughs> really helpful. Yeah, well, that's a different kind of nepo. That's reverse nepotism. Yeah. But I saw Lou, Julie Louis Dreyfus's son performing, and he has a totally different last name and everything. You would not know. Was he funny? Yeah, of course he was talented and funny. But if he had that last name or association, <laughs> people would be like, it, it, there would be this like suspicion of him a little bit. He's so. also a billionaire, you know. Like she comes from, yeah, like she a, came from a really a wealthy very family. Extremely yeah. wealthy He's family. like third well, two last names. I'm, yeah, I yeah. Oh yeah, that's industry sure. right there. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I, Nepo and, and not aside, like the audience has to love you. So like, there's a certain amount of ability and, and hard right. work and grit that everybody right. has to put in. You see, the people who get through the door and have it maybe easier don't build up enough skill and sensibility and 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 grind their teeth enough on their own that they're not cut out for. You know, um, like major leagues in in a certain way. So it's like it's it, it's an asset and a liability in certain respects. Yeah. To have to work hard and prove yourself can build a lot of human capital within yourself to be able to actually compete at a at a high level and sustain it. So, yeah, yeah. I was gonna make a point about the, what you said about children because I agree 
that I think one of the things having kids does is you sort of reach a, a, a certain deeper level of fulfillment and, and like joy and happiness inside yourself that I, I would say puts career in its place a little bit. Yeah. You're sort of like, this was this dream, this, this lofty goal. Like if I hit this, climb this mountain, wow, that'll be the top of the world for me. But then kids doesn't replace that, but it sort of says, no, 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 this is the top of the world. Or, or in a way, what you've done is so deeply fulfilling to you and profound you're here and you're here already. It's, so then you're looking down at your career a little bit like, all right, I'll, I'll get to it. But it's not going to knock me yes, off of this mountain. Like sort of like there's a joy that your kids can provide for you. <laughs> and we both have both have two very young children. So mm-hmm. both of our homes are very, very hectic, me and Michael. But there will be a moment amongst all the chaos <laughs> where there's no not poop on the there. floor. <laughs> yeah. And where there's a, and when, when they smile or like my son just started walking or he's walking to me and laughing his head off and yeah. clapping for himself as right. he walks, that has given me the sense of joy that no career accomplishment could ever give me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like I, I think you're right. And I just, again, if 20 year old me heard myself saying this, you'd want to strangle me. Like I, I truly, I hear this coming out of my mouth and I'm like, how is this me? But it is. So you must have some thoughts about this great cultural debate going on, especially, you know, for women and career. Like my mom growing up was a doctor. She worked full time. I always had that in mind that like both parents are working parents. But as I got older, um, I realized a little bug on your shirt there, Michael. Give it a little swipe. Oh. <laughs> there you go. Um, <laughs> I just like I can't. Not, I can't ignore that. It's going up to Michael's face. <laughs> I think it almost bit me. That was quite a sign. Oh but God. the the big debate you have like the conservative media thing, which is more about like traditional values, kind of preaching this idea that feminism is has lied to women over the years by telling them to focus only on career and forget about family. And then the problem is that for for women, it's it's not fair because they only have a certain amount of time when they can actually have a family and create a family in their 20s and 30s. Men have the luxury of time that women don't have. Al Pacino just had a kid. Yeah, 70-something. Uh, 79, I think. I think 82. Really? Think Baby 82. came out and went, hoo-ah! <laughs> um, <laughs> what is oh, my that God. He's like a, obviously a fan of yours. Yeah, this one's oh here for a live. I get in here. No, no, it's okay. Don't get out. Don't get out. I no longer do that. Too. The point is, do you have an? I don't want to put you in a controversial position, but uh, speaking about these issues as a man, it's a little bit like okay, I can say what I want about how I feel like feminism has you know failed women uh, in that big cultural debate, but. You know, I do th- think that you know it changes. It changes you when you become a parent, and you see and you see these like uh, the effect that it has, and how you were saying the fifteen-year-old you, the ambitious younger you, would have said, "What are you doing?" But now that you've, I guess, we're fortunate enough that yeah. the universe puts you in this position to become married and have children. It's like you can't explain it to a younger version of yourself. So, so what do you think about that conversation? I guess. I, if I go back to my younger self, I was like, well, of course I can have it all. I can mm-hmm. work and have a family. <laughs> you don't want to kill it, Michael? Yeah, I know, squash. you're like eyeing it. It's, a, it's getting it's closer. It's coming back for me. Oh, shit. Hold on, Michael. One second. We will. Shit. Spider. Hold on, one, two, three, boom. Poisonous spider. Poisonous? Uh, <laughs> you're not a good murderer. Get it out, get it out, get it out, get it out. <laughs> Ami um, um, gives life and he takes life. That was insane. Holy! And we're live. No, 
Oh my god. Yo, that spider was like crawling. And oh my you're on god. Michael. That wasn't even there. None of what happened happened. Um, back to your thoughts on yeah. feminism and how it's failed women. So, feminism and how it's failed women. And it is a farce that you can have it all. Right. It doesn't exist. You cannot have it all. Right. There will always, always, always be decisions that you have to make, things you have to sacrifice, sacrifices to be made from a woman that a man can't even fathom. Mm-hmm. And it is what it is. You'll, I mean, feminism. To be a working, a to be a working mom. Yeah. Means you have two full time jobs. Did you hear that line from um, that show on FX with Jesse Eisenberg? I forgot what it's called now. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah. Saving the, something with the... Uh, uh, the something? The last the name? Silverman, the Silverman? It's like Saving Silverman or don't, something? Don't, That's an old movie. Don't... Uh, Somebody's Lost? Silverman... Finding? No, Silverman's... Is good, Getting Married? Good deed. No. Yeah. Okay, what are you saying? So, what was the line? It sounds like children's so, books. So Claire, Claire Danes. It, it's, it's really interesting. It's it's like a story about the, like, good, yeah. the wealthy in New York, but not the super wealthy. So they're kind of caught in the middle where, like... Uh-huh. They're they're struggling to keep their kids in private school in like very decently sized apartments, um, but like they're still like a, a certain yeah, he's struggle a doctor. with that. Right, he's a doctor and, and and whatever. So she's hanging out with she has a job and she's hanging out with these women who are full time stay at home moms, and they're all talking about how being a mom is the hardest job in the world. And she like nods silently and then. She comes over in narration and says, "These women think having being a mom is the hardest job in the world. The hardest job in the world is being a mom." And having a full-time job. <laughs> it's 100% true. Because it's like your mind just never, you, you never have a break. Mm-hmm. You never have a break. And one of the jobs does not pay you at all. And uh, it's it's just, I, I was talking the other day, like I have, I just feel like I have not had a vacation since my kids were born. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure, you know, dad, it's hard to be a dad too, but I was going to say that. What about, no one ever says it's hard being a, I have to tell it's hard you, being a full-time dad and working full-time. Nobody says you, that. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. I know I, I'm no men's rights activist. You know, I'm not one of, one of these dudes, but I'm I always, a full-time dad and a working dad too. And I always wanted to be the dad. dad. What do you mean? No dad. What do you Are mean? You, it's different. Being, being a full-time dad is different than being a full-time mom. There's a different, I'm not a full-time dad. But there's yeah. no. There's, but if we're comparing apples and apples, full-time mom and full-time dad, no one talks about a dad who works and takes care of his kids. But by, by the way, I, I that's I, what I'm saying. I agree with you like 95. percent But I, I think there's a five percent of like there's a pressure on a mom and an expectation that a dad don't doesn't have the guilt. That like the, yeah. the society doesn't put guilt on the dad for not right. being present right. in the same way they do on moms. I, I, I heard a mom describe I'm not saying it this once thing. as yeah. like because she was working full time and they're like they're like how, like how do you do it all? And she's mm-hmm. like she's like my goal is just to be a really good dad. Yeah. Is that what the mom said? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. What like I said. you know, like and and like and you can tell there's a difference between like if a dad just does what the basics of what he's supposed to do, he's an amazing father. Listen, yep. right? Yes, yes. Otherwise, I'm completely with you. I, would I don't say think this. we get enough. The credit. standard is double. <laughs> it's a double standard, but I think it it's it it um, what's more it, it, one cuts out one cuts out the other. For, uh, the dad doesn't get credit where it's deserved, and uh-huh. doesn't get yeah, and, and doesn't does. get guilt where it's undeserved. But he sort of does. Think about it this way: when a Father watches his his kids. Yeah. What do they call it? Babysitting. How are you yeah. babysitting? Aren't you just parenting? Right. Isn't yeah. that your child? When you go out with your kids, I don't think anyone people, says I'm babysitting. Oh, I've been watching the kids. Yeah. If, when you're know. watch, when you're go out with your kids, let's right. say it's just you and the four kids, 
do people go, oh, you're such a good dad. You're taking them all out, giving your wife a break. You know what they do with me when I have my two kids? Ugh, you got your hands full. Fuck you. I'm aware. I didn't say that. No, but I'm <laughs> saying like, and no one, and no one's ever I like. I just say one cancels out the other. I no, agree with you. No I one's ever like, what a good mom you are taking out your kids. Isaac Giving takes the two kids break. out. Oh my I God. I traveled alone with two kids. I traveled alone with it's them. It's like a celebrity. Can we so help all these, you there's like these Latino way? women on the plane. Like, oh my God, look at that. And I'm like this. Look at him. Look yeah. at that. Mia, look at that. Oh my God. And mom, it's just like, can you keep them quiet? You please? know, yeah. right. If it's me with my two kids, they're rolling their eyes. Oh, these kids aren't going to be quiet the whole fucking ride. Right. Like, no, they're probably not. I, I agree, <laughs> but I just think the double standard goes both ways. So the dad, the pressure on, on males to provide and, be, and have the career yeah. that can provide the lifestyle and do those kinds of things like it's not like they're getting extra credit for that either it's I, I think the, the two cancel the, the, there's two different double standards that exist and in a way they cancel themselves out no I, one is like to the mom hey uh or how much are you bringing home like sets, pressures for salary pressure for status there's less of a pressure on women for that and more of a pressure on men for that i think i just did like something this, to think um I'm not, i don't i don't know what's worse or better in terms of that. But I do think there's different double standards in different areas. No, I can tell from first-hand experience. I was just hanging out. I just did this, like, healing ceremony we were talking about before. Mm. Kind of like ayahuasca, but not. It's called San Pedro. And I was with just a group of fathers. It was all men. And the whole thing, really, for 14 hours, we're, we're, like, really, like, releasing a lot of, like, shame and guilt and pain of like not being a good enough father like right. I, there's like a lot in there i think that guys uh-huh. don't get to express normally uh-huh. of how hard it is to to have the pressure of like you have to you have to you have to make money and provide and everything and also you do want to be an amazing dad and like there there is a lot there that goes think, think yeah unappreciated think about if a guy said i want to be a stay-at-home dad versus a mom who says i want to be a stay-at-home mom the shame and pressure that a dad would get for feeling lesser for that decision versus a mom I just think that's something that only a man would experience or to a much yeah. greater effect than a mom where it's like, of course, like that's, that's a, well, not, again, not to take away. They can both exist. There's sort of that a woman might do that and that. And, and, and an expectation that a man might not. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. They, they both, they I, I don't, don't know if it cuts evenly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it cuts evenly. And you're right about the double standards imposed on moms taking their kids out. No one's like giving your husband a break. We don't assume equal roles and equal amounts of parenting on both yeah. ends. I happen to be a pretty hands-on dad. Like I do a lot of bath times and bedtimes so, and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I like and I'm, I'm happy to do that and my schedule allows for it so I'm like I'm really grateful for that time and you know I, I know a lot of people who have such busy schedules that they say goodbye in the morning and then they're home and kids are already asleep and that's something that I don't envy that yeah but and but I'm just saying like these different double standards I think as someone who experiences it on one side you forget that on the other side there's there's a whole other component to it too but I think um, we were asking her about um, having it all. Who having even it knows? All. Oh, having <laughs> it all, right? Um, we we're saying you can't. And uh, there's there's yeah. just um, an emotional burden that comes with being a mother, and comes. I mean, just I just think about like, especially with my job where I don't sit at a desk. You know, if I yeah. need to call the doctor, I can't. I have to call the doctor when I have five minutes, and if that doctor is not available when I'm available, I'm not going to speak to the doctor. Mm. My kid is sick. I cannot leave work and go get it. You know, it's, it's. Yeah, see, moms care more. They're just they're better at caring more. No, and, <laughs> dads are like, oh, we forgot the phone call. But, uh, like that's and a, I you, think you're you have right. a certain amount of care think, and, and guilt but that a father's just like. Ugh. That's the more part of the emotional burden that <laughs> yeah. I carry around. Yeah. Is that I, I can't do these things and I feel bad and I wonder like, do my children suffer because mm-hmm. I can't do these things for them? Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, I can't run an errand. I can't run to the doctor during my my job, my my work day or run, you know, and I, I wonder if it, I'm doing a disservice to my kids because I can't be for them in that way while I'm working. But you're also living as a model of somebody who is trying to balance things. And I think kids learn the most from their parents vicariously by watching them. And so if you're doing something that's fulfilling to you and following a passion, I think you underestimate how influential and impactful that can have on your kids that even in moments where you're not physically present, them knowing that mommy's going out and doing something that is meaningful to her is a, is a big lesson to impart. I think you're hundred percent right. But when you're on TikTok and there's a million videos on how to rear your toddler and the <laughs> sensory bins and the sensory boxes, yeah. and I'm not doing any of that. And I just feel like such a piece of shit. Uh-huh. And so when you're constantly comparing yourself, I guess, which I yeah. am because I'm a woman, yeah. it's hard. I would love for someone to do a, a like a tell all reveal of these TikTok moms, like, like, <laughs> like how see awful my everyone's a monster. Like, like, like these people. No are, like, I'm in my closet right now, and my kids are screaming, and I just want to say it's okay. Like, you're not in your closet. You have like lights. You have a studio. You have a babysitter. You probably have two babysitters watching your kids right now. You probably went in the mirror before and like messed Mommy up your hair TikTok. and messed up your makeup so you could look like you're yeah like and, and then these moms are watching it and are like oh you're a doctor and a psychiatrist and an influencer and you have four kids and you're the perfect and mom. You do it all. Yeah, and, and house is right. aesthetically pleasing. Right, and you know exactly what to say all the time. Um, I mean, yeah, these women should be in jail. <laughs> Honestly, they should get their social media taken away for life. Block them, not the not Trump, right? <laughs> it's the women that are the problem. Women no. against women is the problem. That's what we're doing here right now, Michael. Um, I don't know. Yeah, but that's th- this false sense that you know, these moms are out there doing it better than you or other parents in general. And, or it's just like just the, the level of you know, if I have a rough day. Yeah. You know, with a story. Yeah. And I decide for my life, for my evening tonight, I don't want to be screamed at by a psychopath one year old because I cut the banana or I mm. offered a banana over a blueberry. It's that. not it's, <laughs> right. Like, like I like Love seriously, if, if you want to <laughs> learn, if you want to know what it's like to live with a sociopath, live with a toddler. So mm. sometimes I'll be like, for my mental health, I'm going to turn on Miss Rachel. Mm. And so I'll turn on Miss Rachel so I could feel okay. And Is then I'm the like, show for the kid? Yeah. Yeah, and I'll fine. be like, uh, but then they'll be like, well, no screen time or this. I'm just like, well, I, what about like putting gas in my tank I for think, me as a parent? Doesn't that count for something? Well, I think a lot of people talk about you having to sacrifice as a parent, but I actually, I take a very selfish approach to parenting. I think you have to take, you have to really, um, be in a good place and take care of yourself first. Like put the mask on, on the plane. Yeah, uh, before exactly. Before you put it on your kids. Exactly. If you lose if oxygen, I'm drained, I can't, you yeah. will be the worst parent. Right. right. You will be short-tempered. You'll take things out on your kids that they don't deserve. So make sure you're in a good place. And if that means putting on a little screen time for your kids so that you can decompress properly in the kitchen, catch up with your husband, whatever it may be, then you come back feeling a little more centered and right. settled. That's a version of yourself you want your kids to have. I versus agree. the other one where you're like, well, I'm not doing screen time, so I'm living up to some crazy, ridiculous TikTok standard of psychologists who told me screen time is going to damage kids. No, you know what's going to damage my kids? A toxic, resentful mom. Correct. Much worse than a blippy or Miss Rachel. Correct. I haven't checked that. Is it but good? not worse than Coco okay. Melon. 
No, Cocomelon Co- don't do. Can I, can I tell you, my kids watch Cocomelon like crackheads. Like, yeah. You can call their name. You can it's clap in melon. front of them. Cocaine melon. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. I've cocaine never seen I'm all about it. And I don't over try. I, I try to be conscious of it, but I'm also conscious of where I am in the moment, where my wife is in the moment. And what you need. And it's like, you know what? Like, if we try to get them all to the table right now to do this, like, thing so that we can feel like we did the right type of dinner. Like it, we're gonna be go crazy. Like we we're, we're operating at very little capacity here. It's been a long day yes. or a long week. Yeah. Let them have their space. They need space from you. You need space from them. And then everyone's in a better place. Nice. The, the times I feel the worst is also when I, like I have other priorities that are going on, whether I have to be at something, and then I take out that urgency on them. So I like yeah. rush a bedtime or rush a this or that, and say, "Come on, guys!" And it's like then afterwards on another so night, on, it's a different standard. Another night when I don't have anything, I right. wouldn't be there. When I try to catch myself doing and, that, and they can tell like the nights you need to leave right after they go to sleep. Yeah. They, they, they can tell yeah. it's and those nights they don't go to sleep because uh, they know they feel that oh, I want to get out of here feeling. Yeah, I also have no issue apologizing to my kids. If I if I like, you know, messed up, I try mm-hmm. to do it like whenever I know I've done something. And I shouldn't that's have a done. big lesson you're teaching your kids. No, it's just yeah, and like parents have this like I think you get into the sense of like I have to maintain this perception of perfection. I'm a perfect being. I'm always right. I'm the authority. And if my kids perceive me apologizing, that's like weakness and instability. But I think if they see you apologize and own up to something, it shows a little bit of sort of strength in your ego. And you could say sorry about that. And then they'll apologize. Like it teaches them a way to teaching reconciliation. Them, te- right. Teaching yeah. them that saying you're sorry doesn't mean that you're necessarily acknowledging how wrong you are. It's acknowledging that you care more about mm-hmm. how other, so the other people yeah. care and like wanting to move forward. I think that's such a skill. Or you're teaching Especially, that you're being infallible is okay. It's okay. Yeah. Like, I, I, we all, we both got upset before. I think it's just teaching. I got a bad. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also though feel like that lesson coming from a father as opposed to a mother is very important because mm-hmm. I feel like maybe women are more inclined to apologize we're very apologetic especially when it comes to business like yeah. oh i'm so sorry you were you were you misunderstood or mm. oh, i'm so sorry to ask your, your question again and i realized like i actually take a step back and be like stop fucking apologizing yeah. for existing in the world mm-hmm. so i feel like women say sorry a lot and so to see it from a man mm-hmm. i think that's a great lesson I, I, we said it between each other if, if things got crazy or whatever between a, a child and a parent or whatever, i was like oh, I, I, like to help assuage that guilt, which is, I think, I think mothers feel it a lot. I feel it, but like, I definitely see that with moms, like the guilt of like not doing the right choice or making the right choice or overreacting or something like that. You can just say, yeah, just apologize. Just like when it calms down and things like temper's cool, like just, uh, you know, just go say sorry. And like, and then, and you see the kid like light up, like they want to just be in a good place, right. in a safe place with their parents. They just want to overcome yes. that, that. Um, yeah, that, that, that we'll take a minute. Just. It's the best. It's the best. It's the hardest and the best. Nothing worth it is ever that is can really be terribly easy. You know, that's true. It's hard. Mm. It's hard. This is the daddy vlog with Mike and Ami, (laughs) Um, (laughs) and uh, we are telling you tips and tricks on how to parent your kids. Um, Anyway, so having kids changes your orientation a little bit. You still definitely want this as part of your life, but not as the center focus of your life because other more important things have now come to fruition a little bit. That's a great way to put it. Um, yeah. Uh, so, is there any other questions? I mean, I hit a real sentimental point. I have just, a last. I have a last question. Right no, that was beautiful. <laughs> yeah. I, really I have a last question about like content creation because that's something yeah. we talk a lot about here. Mm. Um, and I think you and I share th- this thing I'm about to say. Um, so I'm, I'm really talking to myself here when yeah. I say this. But I would think, um, <laughs> you know, news reporting is something that social media has blown open to anyone who wants to do it 
you don't have to you don't have to work for ABC or CBS. You could just do it. Yeah. And if you're good, people find you. And if you're not good, okay, yes. then okay, then yes. you know. You know why you haven't? It doesn't seem to me like you've really chased that so, down. Why, why are you so focused on? I want to work for a gatekeeper. Because it sort of goes back to this imposter syndrome where I don't feel like people care what I have to say. I don't feel like what I have to say is interesting, relevant. There's no reason that someone would listen to me as a creator versus someone else. Like I truly, I don't know why. I just have such a lack of faith in myself and not enough confidence. Whereas I feel like so many kids today are born with this confidence of like, well, everyone cares what I have to say. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe a few years, maybe when I was younger, but I don't know. I have such self-doubt, mm. such self-doubt, which is weird, you know, because I know I am on TV and I put myself out there every day, but yeah. so much self-doubt. So but who's coming up with the stories that you cover? Your We have bosses? a whole desk. Okay. Oh, so you're not choosing what to cover. I mean, sometimes I do. Uh-huh. I'll pitch stories a lot, but majority it's like a collaborative So you have effort. the self-confidence to pitch the story, but not to say, I think this is a good enough story to go, to go do on my own. Or not without the apparatus. Like, yeah, you need the validation the of like, yes, that is a good story, Emily. Go do it. I don't know the time. Like if I like if I was going to do social media in the way that I would like for I would do like a top five stories of the week, like every week. And it, it mm-hmm. wouldn't necessarily involve such a investigative journalism where I'd go shoot my thing, but why don't I do it? Uh, you don't have it sounds have like answer. you have an avatar of yourself out there in the world, Emily, that's watching you. And you're performing for that person and and feeling like it doesn't live up. Like there's a, you're self-judging yourself in a way. I'm picking up on this, that I you're like, so. I'm self-judging myself as if I'm the audience saying, and, and it's this very harsh critic who's I, saying, no, oh, no, don't, don't yeah, do that. A hundred percent. I can tell you just from interacting on the podcast and before and like, you should, you would, you would be great at it. If, if Emily on the street with a microphone and one camera guy, like exploring your curiosity and, and talking to people, engaging, like. You'd crush at that yeah. stuff. Well, the, yeah, that's why I said I want you to come in, you don't need my in person to do this because I was like, you, you have to meet Emily. Like, mm. she's going to be awesome. You, we just have to get, have her come mm. here Stop. and it'll be great. Stop yeah, but it's yeah. very natural to you and like charismatic. You would be great on the street, like interviewing people and you have the journalistic experience to actually I what mean, you're doing. I think this is a great then analysis of what it's like to have imposter syndrome, right? right. Like you could, could have two people telling you, oh, you'd be yeah. awesome at it. And still, I hear you guys. Yeah. And in my head, I'm like, they're just saying that you know like i mm. don't know what it is why i hate myself so much well you'd have but to prove I it to you you have to just prove it to yourself i guess yeah. if if that's something you'd want i, I, mean, I do i yeah. do because especially in this industry to empower yourself to like have your own to have that following mm-hmm. like and, and like you said to go back like why do i want to work for but let's say i mean the opportunities when you already have a following and when you could come to a job with twenty thousand people that are watching your stories every yeah. day i mean that automatically makes you a much better candidate so right. yes i do and my mother all she wants me to do is put myself out there every yeah. day she wants we she wants to make a podcast with me she wants to do this she wants to do that and i do want to do a podcast with her so that's why i was really interested in seeing how you guys do everything right. but um i don't know i am i get in my own way have like, you seen that guy he goes out onto the street forget his name and his handle but he wears like an oversized suit yeah, uh, no ga- all, all gas, no bricks. Is that his name? What's what what's his name? This? Oh, his name. He like broke the legacy media industry he by going a... out with a big suit, like almost tongue in cheek. He went to like you know. Uh, he looks like he's Antifa in like a rallies suit. and BLM yeah. protests and like the the most hostile situations and like just put put a mic up to people and let them yeah. speak. 
what was his what's his name? It's called uh, All Gas No Brakes. All Gas No Brakes is, is like what is like yeah, what he goes by. I don't know. I don't know his actual name. And people um, and his his views are through the roof way more than the CNN reporter next to him yeah. trying to like give their spin on it, give their take on it. He was just going and putting a yeah. mic in front well, of people's well, face. Well, his talent was finding interesting places to go. He right. would go to like these like kind of like parties on the beach in like Louisiana that like if you're there it's like the biggest thing in the world but if you don't live there you've never heard of it mm-hmm. and it's just wild and crazy people and he just lets them talk and like they're they're drunk and like people shit on him also cuz i think it's like yeah if you go if you go ask drunk people to talk it's always going to be funny but no i don't shit on him. Just, I think i'm just, I'm just using yeah. it as an example of the hustle like what he did was showed up and like yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah. he showed up to make the content yeah, the no. truth is i don't know when what you have to show up for yourself a yes and I don't and I also don't know when I would like mm-hmm. if I work full time and I come home and I have the kids like when do I have that time to myself and then I'll be like okay but look at all these fucking other people on TikTok if they have the time to make a video you could figure it you out carve out an hour at night yeah. and like do five hot takes for the week and film it and just put it out yeah just, just, to, yeah. just to build the habit of posting I, I this isn't meant to be like an intervention to get you to be a no, content like, creator do you guys hire my mom my mom hired you guys <laughs> but I'm just saying there are ways to find your like least amount of resistance to get something from here to here, you know, and I, just whatever you can do first, because you can have this big thing of, oh, I want to go out onto the street and cover this or go to this and go to this and do it independently. But at the end of the day, like if it's a matter of just building up a little bit of a consistency and a flow, like whatever gets you to do that, you know, like a five minute workout is better than no workout. And even if you want to work out 45 an hour a day, I mean, you're like, so inspirational. Like, <laughs> the way it works also is like it's designed to make you feel good. So like you'll put something out there and you'll get good feedback. You'll get views and likes and comments and you'll feel really good about it and you'll want to do it again. That's. And, and, and you will because because I think you're good on camera mm. and people will, will want to and then you'll refresh it. for more likes and then you'll refresh but for more then if you go for more likes I feel like, and comments but I feel like engagement. I'll put out something on Instagram right mm-hmm. yeah and my engagement is so poor and I'll <laughs> you gotta get on TikTok yeah and that's TikTok. not it either I mean it's like showing up at the gym one time I guess I don't know I how just often do like... you post I mean, I had a habit there. Not enough. Right. But I just, I felt like, like everyone just li- likes to watch my shit, but not like engage with it. It and just takes like, time. Mm-hmm. I think it's more about like, and it's, I, I thought of this recently. It's like Andy Dufresne and Shawshank. I know. This is a big, <laughs> big argument okay. between me and my husband. I've never see seen this. All right. Well, he, oh. I don't want to ruin it for you. You've never watched TBS. Can I ruin it for I, you? It's always on. You <laughs> can. Um, it's it's the commercials and like the racial issues. It just makes me seem like it's a. I'm gonna cry a lot. Um, it sounds sad. Well, it's an amazing movie, but the there's a line. Geology is the study of pressure and time. Um, <laughs> is that a Morgan Freeman? Yeah. That sounded like. And him. he. Um, he has to escape from prison. Can I tell you what happened? Please, by uh, all means, I'm never seeing this film. The way he gets out of. <sighs> yeah, it's such a shame to. Ruin, yeah, it hasn't been ruined yet for you. You don't you know really what happens. Watch it. I just know geology he goes is to the prison. study. He goes to prison. You yes. really watch uh, it. Oh, mm-hmm. how he gets out though is pretty wild. So I, I don't want to tell. Fine, you. Yeah, fine, don't, fine, don't fine. That's your right. assignment first. Before <laughs> posting, you watch Shawshank <laughs> yeah. and do a reaction video. No, Andy, no. Um, the point is, incrementally with time, and I use this analogy all the time now when I talk to people about it. Who you know, I've built up a little bit of a following, and people are like, "How? Like, what do you do?" And I'm like, "Well, post every day for a year, and you won't have any questions for me. Like five days a week." A certain a consistency or regimen. Is that what you do? Every day. Like an Instagram post or a what? Yeah. Like let's say at minimum a, a, a one, 30 second to one minute video on all platforms. Not, 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 not each the same video on every single platform. So once a day try to at least get something out as if I'm like my own media machine here. And this is my channel and this is where I broadcast from. So my channel's got to broadcast daily entertainment. That's how I look at it. Um, 
But imagine somebody saying, well, I went to the gym for like a week and like nothing happened. So I stopped going. You'd be like, well, yeah, because you went for a week. <laughs> you just blew my fucking <laughs> you know, mind. You went for a week and I didn't see results. Go for six months. And then you're like, I don't know if I see results. Well, then you see a picture of yourself. You're like, oh, wait a minute. Look what happened here. I had no idea. Like my back and shoulders look like that. You look because it's been so incremental and so gradual. But other people, then you see someone who hasn't seen you in six months. They're like, wow, you're look like amazing. looking. You're like, oh, I guess something's working. And it's very, it's hard to see it in the, from the macro. It's hard to see it. And, but and, that's, it's fitness. And even like if everything. you don't blow up, you'll feel a lot more confident in like, oh, I, I, I know what I'm good at here. And I know, yeah. I know there are, there's certain thing that people do like, and I'm a lot more confident putting something out there that might not be. I think the you're thing right. Yet. At the end of the day, it you might know? just end up growing my confidence, which might just be everything. Yeah. But like, okay. So like, or, or, or like, you know, I got twice as many likes. So, so it was only 200 likes, but it was still twice as many as the other one. Like I know when I, when I have a good story, it is a good story. Even if they tell me it's not, I know that it is. Yeah. And somebody's yeah. like, Oh, like it got 20,000 views. You're like, yeah, 20,000. I mean, there's virus. 20,000 is all of Coachella. That's what somebody was. I saw this video. It's like 20,000 is Coachella. Like that many people saw you. So it's like, you could put it 300 people. Ah, oh, it's not well, 300 people. It's like a whole theater. Like, like a wedding. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Like yeah. A wedding. So consistency in time. And that's, that's how you, you know, Gary V has a phrase. It's not quality, quantity over quality. Quantity leads to quality. Like the more you do it, the more at bats you have, you know, the more opportunity and things get better and better with time. And that's so how that works. When I'm responding, are you hearing my answers and you're like sort of feeling the same way? Yeah. Well, well what I hear also are sort of this when people give me a hard time about it, I'm like, well, there's this reason and that reason. And if, if only this and but only that. And that you put in front for yourself for stumbling blocks. Um, I, I, I think, I think they're all legit. Um, but they're also, there's no, there's no real, um, there's really nothing stopping you from, or me from, there's nothing from, from, from putting, yeah, from putting it out there. I like, um, yeah, I mean, th there's a certain, like, like your, your talent, like you're obviously talented, but like, I mean, f from like what I've learned also, like throughout with Ami, like doing like the podcast, like there there's a certain amount of of work that really successful people do that i don't think i do enough of like like work like like that extra th four, 3 4 hours at the end of the day to do this tiktok thing is like, like it's like video. difference between like emily who's really really talented and emily who's like on the today show no, like of course you're talented but like there's that part right. of it it's, that i'm it's also committing not to yourself for that and it's a yeah. hard thing to do especially when you haven't started yet I feel yeah. like once you start, that well, wait till we tag and so post this thing. episode. You'll be on your way. Oh <laughs> All the anchors happen. watch us. <laughs> I have a few actually because I cover yeah. and I've done impressions of a few of them. And really, know, like who? Of, uh, Hoda something. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I, I'm trying. You know, they love like imp the the news segments love impressions. No. Do do Hoda, watch Hoda. Okay. Do, do her. I was in touch with like Fox <laughs> and, and Friends and a few people and a few like journalists who've shared stuff that like I reacted to a duet on TikTok where somebody put out, can you read this like prompter um, yeah, challenge? Yeah. But I read it as Alex Jones. So I went completely off script. It was like, you know, uh, coming to you live from the present, but there's like, and I just went off script and started like saying, <laughs> it's all about the frogs. And she like liked it. I think that I forgot her name, but it was a local newscaster. Okay. Um, and a few of the news things because they love doing impressions of like, uh, I was in touch with like, I do these Prince Harry impressions. You so, do? Like, I do, yeah. <gasps> that's very helpful but I understand that that's this, really this good this couch is the color of my hair and you're sitting on it which is very insulting 
it's a very dangerous time for me and my family. But anyway. Who else do you do? I don't oh. know what he t- sounds like. Prince That's, Harry? Is that it? You know that I, I really only know what he sounds like because he um, did the audio version for his own book. Todger. My yeah. Todger. My wee wee fell off. Yeah. And <laughs> it smelled like my mother. There's this one. <laughs> That's what he said in the book. Creator. Swear yeah, to no, God. No, no, no. This is what he says. <laughs> I, didn't, uh, I wasn't tasting There's this one content creator that, <laughs> oh, takes, yeah, that takes experts of what he says and sort of acts them out as Who says Megan. That? There's this content oh, creator, I've seen her. Megan, the Duchess of yes, Sus. Yes, yes. Everyone tags her, her in my videos. She's so funny. Yeah. And first of all, it makes you realize like this couple delusional they're living well, in a whole they just world. got their pot their spotify deal ended and it's not getting renewed well really? no and, and their netflix deal is also like but you know that then the ceo well. of spotify i think it was he came out and called them grifters oh wow and now well, tim dylan's been saying that from yeah, the beginning and how they just they latch onto people and they and they just like take and yeah. want to borrow and they're, use your stuff they want to use your beach house uh, and they want to use their your private plane to nice. get to your well, beach i'm house. going after him hard <laughs> I, there's a chapter in the book where he talks about how his dick got frostbite so he put cream put on it and the cream smelled like his mother it was a, the cream my that to, used to uh, use. This cream on his, like the frostbite cream. He's like, my todger was, was cold after coming back my from Alaska. Todger? is what I, the British call dick. I don't uh, know. It's like a, it's a phrase for penis. And he's like, I've I put it on my todger. The, the, the cream reminds me of my mother. It was such a bizarre <laughs> audiobook read. But. It was so weird. And some of the things <laughs> that is written in there, you're like, mm, did Megan write this? Because they're so Megan, just like. Ugh. In, uh... People think I really hate them. I, I don't care. No, you can just do the voice. Yeah. And all these like, there's this, but there's so much hate. Like, you know, the judgment. Like, well, people hate. They are so Harkle, divisive. F them. Harkle and Megan. Bri- you know, the people Brits are, hate this them. Is devi- this is yeah. divisive stuff. Ma- they don't have too about. many pro people who like them. Uh, Tyler Perry. Okay. The th- I don't know. The, the thing no, that no, I think... No, yeah. Tyler y- Perry loaned them his million-dollar mansion. Doesn't mean he likes them. Uh, or, no, I'm saying... Uh, I don't see them. too many defenses of, like, what they're trying... Their current campaign. Yeah. A lot know. of people are laughing at it. I think one of the reasons is you can complain about the pressures of, like, the royal family and wanting to leave, but, like, the second you try to get on the woke, oppressed train, like, we're oppressed like mm-hmm. all of you, everyone's like, no. Well, what <laughs> about that? The fact that they were trying to get away from the media, so they yeah. moved to yeah. where are they? Calabasas. Yeah. South Park had that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we want privacy. We want privacy. It was great. Tim Dillon's joke is like, we hate racism, so we're moving to America. Anyway, yeah, I'll send you my Instagram after you can see all the all the other bits. Gary V. Jordan Peterson. Oh my God, so much to look at. But what we should do is you should do a Hoda thing. Yeah, get her get her following, and then we'll post the Emily clips. I will. Emily, do you want to do like I will say the power. I've been. I always say this to Michael. I send him anytime somebody I like tag or somebody we're like trying to get attention of a bigger name like reacts to something whether it's a comment or a like share i send it to michael i'm like look at this it's like the power of social media a lot of people hate on it a lot of people say how but distracting it is and a toxic great it connecting is. connector it's in, it's in the 90s and early 2000s if you wanted to reach a a-list celebrity or a brad pitt or a george Clinton, whoever it was if you wanted to reach anybody like you couldn't they were impossible out of reach could never see them except on the big screen now if you dm, you DM them if you DM so or make a video doing an impersonation of Brad Pitt and it's perfect and you tag him, there's a likelihood, high likelihood, high chance he'll see it yeah. and laugh. I mean, that's humongous. That's, that, that's a game changer. You know what my biggest, this is a little irrelevant, but it reminded me, you know, like my biggest follower, hmm. Anthony Scaramucci. 
Hey. And moose. then with the mooch, the mooch follows me. Yeah. And when I was, I was, and this was like, you know, like, like maybe a couple months after, like, he first was really. What you doing? You're doing really great work. You're doing a lot of it's stuff. So yeah. I don't really like, do. So, oh I don't really God. do them, but you're doing, you're doing stuff. I was I mean, like, I made it. <laughs> <laughs> the mooch, the mooch. That's so hot right now. Hartman or mooch, though. If you can get Hartman for a Hartman. follow. Oh Hartman. my God, Hartman, Hartman, Hartman. But mooch is a good second. I never worked on a mooch impression, but yeah, yeah, but you do. You're doing great work. It's like kind of like this smooth. Italian. Now you I'm not Jewish, but I'm not Jewish, but, but I'm Jewish. Are. You are. <laughs> so you got mooch. But anyway, I think uh, I think your time will come. Yeah. You put we'll yourself see. out there, you'll get a good reaction with time. You know, There's this no is this is like sort of irrelevant, like a weird thing that I wanted to tell you was yeah. that. Okay, so you know how everyone was obsessed with the submersible Ocean Gate? Mm. I was obsessed with it. This was one of the things I was like, I should make a video. Mm. But then I went on TikTok. There were four million videos. They were all better than I would have mm. made. But whatever. Okay. So. When they announced that they had found everyone and they had, or they, and they figured Their it out remains. because they dropped, they, it turns out that we have microphones on the sea floor to detect enemy submarines. Oh, yeah, yeah nuclear. We dropped two yeah. nukes there. That's, that's, that was the moment when I was like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? We have people creating, uh, like, exploratory submarines and then we have people creating the sonar technology to drop microphones on the ocean fucking floor and i'm sitting on my bed watching tiktok videos like what is wrong with like do something do something right. like contribute do something mm -hmm. and i i know like i just had this like epiphany like People are working really hard to accomplish a lot for our society. Yeah, I but could try. Then you become a billionaire, you go in a submersible and die. So what's the point? I would point? never <laughs> go on an ex a you submersible. Like... That was a great thread. Though. <laughs> no, but... take me there. It's true. But I will. One, th one <laughs> person was not on the submersible. I don't know if you noticed. Women. Not one. Thank God. Yeah. They, <laughs> they lucked out for that one. Yeah. Um, so what, what I'll say to that is to, to the serious point, I was like, I think thinking in terms of contribution is kind of a, is, is kind of too big even for me to think about? Like even just for yourself, I agree like that. One the thing I take away from what you just said mainly is I never wanted my lack of success in any endeavor to be something that was in my control. In other words, because of a lack of effort on my part, something didn't happen. And I'm the exact opposite. You know, I'm so scared of failure that I'm not going to try because of the risk. To me, that, but that's all you can do. My failure, right? That I'm, that right. I'm like where I feel like you're the exact opposite. I am, of maybe like, probably. Michael. But maybe that's the mindset. It's like, it's it's it has to be on me. If you take full accountability for it, the second you don't put in the work, you're making excuses upon excuses that it's all this other stuff, all these other externalities. It is, and these are all, all excuses. They all exist, but as long as I'm doing everything I can think of and exerting myself to the fullest amount, then that's all I can do. And then I don't judge myself anymore past that. It's like, look, like I posted every, if there's more I can do, great. I didn't want to sit there saying like, I have all these like funny ideas and I don't know, nobody greenlit me to do it and nobody gave me a special and nobody did this and this and this. It's like, no, I'm showing up for myself and putting it out there, um, which took a sort of revelation of realizing what social media can do by having a, a video or two that like popped off. I, but I started doing it by doing it like consistently and eventually got to that place. That's a long story, but the idea is that I never wanted anything to be something that I fell short on for my own efforts. As long as I was doing everything I could do, then whatever happens with some network or some deal or some this and that is all removed. I'm like, I did everything I was supposed to do. That's right. an incredible you know? attitude to have, especially yeah. in a creative field. So, 
once I had that attitude, I'm like, I, I'm not disappointed. At least I didn't let myself down by not doing what I thought I could possibly do work-wise to put into it, you know? Um, it's also yeah. like uh, everything you uh, everything you can do gets more and more limited as life goes on also. And like you mm -hmm. have two kids and like more responsibilities. But then also on the flip side, it's never going to be easier for you than it is now. Like when your kids so are true. older, it'll probably be harder and not easier than it is right, now. You'll never so be like, younger than you are in this moment. So like mm -hmm. today I told someone once, I'm like, if you're like driven by fear, then think about this. Like today is the easiest it's ever going to be for you. It's so true. So Start. And I'll hear you guys and I'll be like, yeah, they're so true. And then I'll, but I still like, at least you have a wealth of ideas. I'm like, I don't even know what the fuck I would do. You have to start and be uncomfortable. I, I well, I started doing a bunch of stuff that I, like I was like uncomfortable with, but I had to do, I had to try and, you know. Do you feel like it was wrong. that uncomfortable stuff that automatically like, per, like propelled you into stuff that you felt more comfortable doing? I just, the process itself, because I didn't know how to make videos and film and stuff like that. So I just tried to find ways That's to what do it. it. I put up a GoPro when I first started because I'm like, I have no idea how to use a camera, but GoPros look cool. I was like, everybody, when you watch a GoPro, it, that fisheye look, like that kind of looks cool. So I like had a GoPro that once we took with the band on the road to like vlog and film ourselves to try it. And because I had no idea how to frame and do any of these things, and I still not really skilled at it, I'm like, let me just do that. And let me just do this. Whatever right. I think, at, what's the most I could try to do here that's worth posting? You weren't, you were doing music. You weren't even doing right. comedy. Right. That, that even, that led to comedy. Right. If you hadn't started with this like thing that was not the thing, mm -hmm. you wouldn't have gotten to the yeah, thing. Yeah, I was posting music stuff because I was competent performing musically and doing that, but not with video and editing and that I had to painfully train myself how to do through the long painful I still process don't, of doing I it. I do not understand how to make a TikTok video. Yeah. Like that, I think that's what's overwhelming to me. Yeah. It's like, I just don't like physically Expose know. Expose your therapy. I know. The more I know. you do it and then you're like, now I do. And only by doing it painfully, badly, 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 less badly, less badly, proficiently, expertly. <laughs> you know, it's just the time of doing it. Maybe we'll, I go home today and make my very first uh, TikTok video. If we accomplish yeah, that, then that's what we did. That's what yeah. we do here on Buckle Hell Up. Yeah. Sign us off. Sign inspiring off. creators of the next generation. Baby. From Buckle Up Studio, <laughs> this is Emily Young. Oh, Emily. can we do a quick sign yeah, off on yeah. our, to, to end this episode, Emily? Yeah, How would we yeah. end this? And wait, 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 wait. Tell me what to do. Are, Are we... we? What's the setup? I'm rewriting that. Okay. <laughs> well, first of all, do you want me to be in Anglewood? Do you want me to be in the studio live from the well, Buckle Up? Live from gonna, the Buckle Up Studio. Going to show up to the yeah, studio. Yeah, yeah, live from the Buckle Up Studio. Okay. That, that's as specific as we can get. Otherwise, a summation of what we covered here and a sign off. Would love to hear it. It starts now. Okay, so like, let's say I'll pretend I was just finishing up interviewing you. Okay. Okay. Emily Young, we're going to go to you. So, and thank you so much, Ami, for that insight. And we're reporting here from the Buckle Up Studios. Emily Young, you 12.